Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Tina Horn, and this is Interrobang. Interrobang is the bonus segment of my Wire People Into That podcast. Follow at Tina Horn Sass or at Tina Horns Sass if you're nasty. On Twitter and Instagram, visit wirepeopleintothat.com, support my show, and get extra shit at patreon.com slash Tina Horn. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-I-N-A-H-O-R-N. Hello, Lydia. How's it going? Oh, it's great. It's great. How are you? I'm good. Oh, I, I feel I feel refreshed and good. Um, it's a beautiful summer day. It's actually kind of muggy. It's, like kind, it's of kind of muggy, it's but kind of I'm gross. from Florida, and so I'm, I'm used to it, and I love it. Okay, awesome. Um, so Lydia Bonilla is the chief provocateur of the House of Plume, um, and the House of Plume has been around since 2013, so about four years. Um, do you want to tell the people, if they're not already familiar with House of Plume, what y'all do? Sure. So what we do is we create um, really elegant and functional storage solutions for your sex toys. So we've created... Um, a, an amazing box that is, is like I call it like West Elm meets Jimmy Jane. Yes, and it also comes with a travel case. So if you're concerned about um, you know taking your sex toys while you're either going to honeymoon or going out with your girls or wherever, yeah, you you know we have we have you covered there. Awesome, or for like a weekend sex party, or I mean, absolutely, I, whatever. I, I whatever. cannot tell you how you know I've I I do a lot of traveling for um, sexy events, uh, from everything from play parties to like leather contests, and mm-hmm. also um, as a sex worker. And I cannot tell you how many different solutions I've seen over the years where people will use like caboodles. You remember caboodles from the eighties, <laughs> the little makeup plastic kits, <laughs> yes, right? Or, yes. or actual tool kits or, yes. um, you know, I definitely see, I'm from California, so I see a lot of hippies like reusing, um, you know, bags or, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, certain gym bags and yeah, there's all kinds of issues with those things where, they all get thrown in together and then the lube explodes and then there's lube, lube always spills no matter what no I matter mean, what you do yeah no matter what you do i know that um you know a lot of manufacturers spend time on on the on the lid or what have you but it always spills yeah totally um and you know sometimes you have considerations where you don't have time to clean your toys so things are dirty and then things get like grimy and crusty in there so like having something and i feel like having having something stylish that you can use to express your sexual personality and how you keep your collection of sex toys whether it's keeping it in your bedroom or your playroom or at work or for travel um is a great opportunity to express yourself you know it really is and the other thing um that i like that i like to look at it as is that it's a great way for you to honor yourself awesome you know you when you put toys just like in a in a you know dusty box or in a bag or on the floor on the floor <laughs> or whatever you're kind of just saying to yourself that your pleasure is really is not important you're so fucking right about that yeah yeah 
Um, absolutely. Um, so to, like, uh, can you describe that? Do you have like a, a line of like different boxes or is there mostly just like the one? There's the one. There's a sort of like kind of like a universal size. Cool. Because um, the cool thing about making this product is that the the size of the body parts that they go into normally don't change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't have to get like, you know, too crazy with the sizes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. The, the, the box comes in generally in, in a universal size that'll hold toys that are under nine inches. Cool. Cool. So if you've got one of those like arm length butt plugs, you're going to have to find a different storage solution. <laughs> you will have to find something else. Yes. <laughs> um, or maybe one day you yes. can, you can, you can scale um, for that. Um, uh, cool. And um, so besides House of Plume. Mm-hmm. Um, another of your big projects um, is Women of Sex Tech, yes. which is a, an organization or group, would you call it? It's it- a group. Um, you know, it's a, it's a group of women throughout the world um, that work in the sex tech industry. And basically what sex tech is, is a, um, a melding of sexual wellness and technology. Mm-hmm. So we have women that are working on apps or have done apps or are work or have a sex toy subscription service like our the co-founder oh, right. of, Rodriguez, poly- of, of Unbound, Unbound, right? Yeah. Right. Um, you know, sex toy brands, it's it's pretty varied, but the the goal is the same and that is to promote um, women in the, in the industry as well as to promote um, female pleasure. Fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I think that that is really amazing. I feel like I have seen an increase in women taking themselves seriously as entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I'm just paying better attention, um, but it seems to definitely be on the rise, Um, not only in... Um, our industries, you know, the sexuality and health and sure. wellness industries, um, um, but other industries as well. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I find myself realizing that I have some internalized sexism uh, about um, what it means to be an entrepreneur. I think that in the work that I do, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not an entrepreneur. Like entrepreneurs are D bags. Like I'm just like a girl with an idea who has a little punk rock thing going on. But, mm-hmm. um, seeing what you are doing with, uh, women of sex tech and, um, what Polly and a lot of other folks that I have seen at some events recently, um, are doing is actually really inspiring, um, me to take my work more seriously in terms of business and just in terms of identifying as like a boss bitch, basically. Yeah, that's great. That's, it's really great. And it's, it's really about creating your own lane, your own definition of what, you know, being an entrepreneur and what being a leader is. One of the things that annoys me, the like really annoys me right now is the feminization of leadership. And mm. I know where it comes from. I know it's, it, it's, it's, it it's create it was created as a way to promote female entrepreneurship and to, to create some kind of camaraderie. But, you know, leadership should be judged on whether it's effective or not, mm-hmm. not whether it's pink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so it's I, I you know, I used to identify with those terms and then I said, you know, that is just it's just annoying now. I'm just you know, I'm just a, I'm a leader who happens to be a female and there are things throughout the day that one can relate as either masculine or feminine Mm -hmm. and you know just delving into either one is just aspects of being a good leader absolutely and i think that um to me the appeal of branding around something female it's all about branding i get it it's cool it's cute you know and it's very tweetable Mm. um but i'm over it whether the product itself is has you know feminine deep markations of you know mm. the, of, of pink and purple or you know sparkliness or being like chirpy or perky yeah. or a beat or whatever or whether the the events around mm-hmm. you know women getting together or you know promoting women um you know are uh demarcated as as girly or feminine mm-hmm. um 
to me, the real issue is if a female entrepreneur likes pink, then she should be able to wear pink. Absolutely. And, and, and that, and, but that you shouldn't have to feel like in order for women to be powerful or, or in order for women to have knowledge or in order for women to create community and to get Mm -hmm. you know to to get together and to share resources and to network that that things have to have to look a certain way or that there needs to be something um about the style or fat like if there is no fashion to it that women won't be interested exactly Right, right. And that actually comes up in design too. Mm-hmm. Um, how I actually found my designer for my product is that I was researching, you know, product development. I had no, I had, didn't know what product, what really product development was. Mm. Right. So there's an area of, of smart design called the Femden. And I don't know if they still, still have this, but in essence, it's a group of female designers mm. that make products um, geared towards women mm. and they you know would talk about the pink it and shrink it thing where you know if you want to oh, make man. a phone or you want to make let's say speakers for a woman then you you make it smaller and you make it pink interesting and i just thought wow that is that's so that's so cool that is so interesting that that this company is taking this on this way and um but you know i know smart design is a you know a big new york design firm no way I can afford them so I reached out to the woman that ran that group at the time and I asked I said do you work with any freelancers that you could recommend and she said yes and that's how I met my my designer who is also a proponent of of um feminine and masculine tones in design cool that was important to me that it didn't look overly masculine nor feminine Cool. Can you describe how you achieved that? Is that, uh, yeah, what are some of the elements that sort of make it almost like androgynous in that way? It's, uh, it's not rounded. Okay. All the, all the edges are sharp. Cool. Um, it has a leather latch. Mm. Um, the colors are not overly, uh, masculine or feminine, mm-hmm. you know, half of our, our customers are, are men and women. It's oh, really cool. split down the middle. Oh, that's awesome. And the other reason is that even if it was for, even if the product is for a woman, you know, guys don't really like for the most part, you know, I won't generalize, but for the most part, men don't really like stuff that's like overly girly. Yeah. You know, and if, if you're sharing a space with someone else, it's important that, you know, they're, they're brought into it too. Totally. Absolutely. And there are women too, that just don't like stuff that they're overly girly. A lot of women have said, Oh my God, thank you so much for not making this like with pink lips. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like sometimes I do like things that are girly and sometimes I don't, and it's nice to have choice. And also there are plenty of things out there when I want to have a girly thing there's no shortage of that in the world exactly you could have you could choose so tell me how you got started doing House of Plume what's your origin story ah so how did I get started I hmm was a disgruntled banker Mm. um I see that seems like there's a lot of those (laughs) (laughs) I mean they churn them out you know your Wall Street churns them out so I um, had a personal organizer that come, had come to my home yeah. and looked through my drawers and she came across like that drawer. And I was uh-huh. like, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. So we had a conversation about where to put them. And she said, you know, there's nothing in particular. You can buy a plastic box, this and that. And I went, mm. you know, I'm, I'm into like Art Deco. And yeah. I was like, that's not going to work. <laughs> so... I uh, started to look for some, and I'll, and I'm also anal. Um, mm-hmm. So I started to look for something um, for myself that would work. I took like a jewelry box, different types of boxes and took the inserts out and put the toys in and that didn't work. And I got frustrated with it and I forgot about it. Uh, and then one day I walked into Babeland, mm. you know, wanting to replace a toy that had broken and I just really, as an afterthought, I'd ask, I said, do you have any sex, you know, do you have any storage for sex toys? 
And she went, no, but we get that question all the time. Mm. And I went, oh, I said, well, I'll make one. And nice. She said, okay, you know, we close in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then that's just, just what I did. I was, I was foolish enough to uh to do it because i didn't like you know as i said earlier i have no hadn't had had no experience in product development so i had no idea what a beast um mm. it is and um you know i was been grateful to work with some incredible people um that helped me you know kind of mine uh the dangers and uh i've had a lot of fun awesome and so where can people find these boxes now houseofplume.com cool 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 um so they can order them online yes fantastic what have you learned about the sex industry and the sex product industry and sex adjacent industries since making a career change that is wider than banking oh man that's real white (laughs) that's white isn't it it's it's yeah I was I was surprised by that. Um, I don't know what I was expecting, really. You know, when you just are so like, you know, you no idea what you're doing. I kind I didn't have an expectation, but I I yeah, that was one. And how conservative some of the major players can be. Yeah, that is um, one of the central ironies. Definitely, it's so ironic to me that you know this is your you have a lifestyle that is inclusive because you know you want to fuck everything (laughs) but uh the way that you do business and i want to say your political ideologies don't don't line up that is very disappointing yeah um no go on yeah i mean it is it's it's but in a in a strange way though i found it comforting because Mm. it was familiar to me oh man i'm that I knew how to I knew how to maneuver in that because I was like okay this this is, I know this yeah um, well what are some of the ways that you tackled that or maneuvered it uh, just be myself you know and and really stand behind um, the product I believe in the, the the quality of the product and our our intention and our mission and it, it was no way that I was ever going to fit in you know mm. and so it was just just going to use that just decided to use that as to my advantage versus trying to to fit in because it wasn't wasn't going to happen and also being from new york i think it also was um uh like a hindrance because a lot of the industry is on the west coast mm, that's true mm-hmm. what are some of the ways that the sex industry is affected by being so overwhelmingly white like they're out of touch say that again out of touch out of touch with what just out of touch with social trends Mm -hmm. um so you know i look at some of the um you know you you look at some of the marketing or the branding for some of the the larger brands Mm. like sex toy brands yeah sex toy brands or sex toy accessories and I'm like, who looks like this? Mm. You know, I think women have stopped getting the big breast implants now. Like, I think you can put those away. Yeah, some people, <laughs> some people do, but there is a, an overwhelming representation of a certain kind of woman being sexy, whether it's right. being marketed to people who would find who who, who are attracted to women. And yes. so, the, and so, sex is being used to sell it in that way because people are turned on by women, or things are being marketed to women, and it's like aspirational. Like, well, this is the kind of woman that every man wants to fuck and every woman wants to be, right? And like, yeah, you know, first of all, I mean, that's limiting in a million different ways. But I think that you're right. I think that mm-hmm. there is this very like retrograde, retro. There is a very retrograde idea of what it's a sexy very, beautiful woman is it's just very pamela anderson you know in 2000 look. yeah it's just like yeah it's this is over you know i think the bleach <laughs> you know the super bleach blonde yeah and uh you know the extensions to your ass it, it it's it's just done and i think consumers gravitate to images that are just 
more realistic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and it's really for them to to just take a look and to to take some risks with that and see and test it i mean yeah, yeah i could i could be totally wrong i don't know yeah but i also i mean i think that people would be surprised and i think it's like something that you see in the movie industry right people say well we have to cast scarlett johansson in this role that is supposed right. to be for an asian woman because we need it to perform well and people know right. her because she's a movie star and it's like well she's a movie star because you cast her in these movies so right maybe if and like maybe you would make a like a million less dollars by casting someone who is less familiar to a global audience now but then if you cast her and you make a good movie and she's the right person for the part, then she also will be a movie star. Right. You she know? also so will be a movie star. And then, you know, there's probably more money in the back end. But, you know, it's funny. Like, people, there's just a risk associated with, you know, social change that it's for, yeah. for some entities, it's just too, too ingrained in them. And in order for you to see something different, in order for you to do something different, you have to see something different around you. That's right. And so a lot of the, for, you know, taking it back to sex with some of these companies are based in very like bland and conservative areas. I, I, yeah. you know, I don't know how you're going to get, you know, figure things out. I, I like subscribe to some blogs or like <laughs> look online, but I, I don't know where you're going to get it in some of these places where they're based. Well, I mean, it seems like they, would need to hire you. <laughs> right. They would yeah, hire I was like, me. hire, uh, hire wait, me. I mean, obviously yeah, they should yeah. hire you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would be amazing if part of the project of women in sex tech was. I didn't dip- even think of that. And I, that's great. That, that's awesome. You can Boop. have that one. Boop. I mean, or even, you know, either hiring you or you facilitate, you know, a, like a new design firm of mm-hmm. people who are actually paying attention to a the trends you're talking about. B the just real... gave me a new job. I love it. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. You inspire me, and then you know I can oh, inspire you right back. That's so great. And One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Won't fill the holes of my mind, the things I'm dreaming of from my station. Vacation, new locations. Of I've done uh, some work in the uh, sex toy and sex tech industries, um, and I think that it's very recent that we've seen the sort of trend of sex positive, female friendly, right. feminist sex toy stores. Sure as like a space that's even possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I turned 18, the place that you would buy sex toys was definitely like you, you just kind of know you're in for a very seedy experience. Right. right? right. Um, and if you're somebody like me, you're like, I'll embrace the sleaze. That's great. You know, I can sort of navigate this and and sort of like know what to enjoy about it and what to leave behind and how to find what's right for me. But I'm like very confident. I'm I'm like the exception to the rule. I'm like very confident about those kinds of things. And I also find sleaziness hot. Right. But so then, then, you know, in the past, like uh, 15, 20 years or so, you have this rise of, uh, you know, 
spaces that are friendly to queer people, spaces that that care about design and are not, you know, and also care about the way that the products are manufactured, that they're mm-hmm. ergonomic to different bodies, um, sure. and also that they're not made of toxic materials, mm-hmm. all this stuff, right? So it seems like when you think about the fact that it's not that recent that sex toy business has even been conscientious of anything it makes sense that also their advertising would be so behind the times yes yes and they probably feel like they're doing fine i mean if they if they felt like there was money to be made by changing things they would change things right uh yeah yeah they they probably would um you know it's a it's interesting because it's like sex is all about openness and at the same time they operate kind of in the dark yeah there are no maybe for the with the exception of one entity um, one company that's publicly traded mm-hmm. so the exchange of information is doesn't is not the same that you would have in other industries and um you know once you once you've set the tone you've been around for a long time it's like you know you you kind of just ride it out you don't have to really uh, you know you really don't have to like try so much if you're like the first or second entry company in a in the industry yeah um but yeah that it's 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 interesting it's it is um the other thing that it's it's kind of related um is that there is a lack of advertising you know and yeah due to you know the 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 issues we have with social media we not able to advertise on facebook and on instagram right um and so that also kind of limits the number of people or the number of of companies that can that can compete right that's the other thing is that there's so much stigma around even being able to put your product out there yes yeah yeah facebook rejects you know anything to do with certain terms like sex toys at linking to sites that that have that in somewhere in on it um you know they also have issue with that so it's so unfortunate it is it is it is unfortunate and it's something it's a topic um that we are dealing with as as a collective with uh, women of sex tech awesome what are some of the ways that you're trying to address that well we're having an event um july 18th at the museum of sex where we're going to be talking about it and just to continue you know create a dialogue with with the um the folks at some of these these companies you know cool they don't you know they don't have an obligation to do it it's not like something that they need to do but they i think the public needs to understand um you know what what is happening with respect to like what information you're not getting simply because some person says that it's it's gross or that it it doesn't meet their policy and really what it is is that they're trying to avoid um you know someone being outraged somewhere in the middle of nowhere right by something that could oh this was offensive and my child look at it right and you know the thing that strikes me that is so unfortunate about that is that social media is a space where marginalized people or unconventional people or folks that are usually just not given a seat at the table have had the opportunity to reach their audience without um to like mix metaphors like to sidestep the gatekeepers um you know so um in terms of creating style in terms of creating community in terms of um uh, being able to market to the demographics and the consumers that they um uh, that will most appreciate their products. So that's part of what's unfortunate about that is yeah. that, and you know, I mean, that's been true with crowdsourcing platforms um, uh, from Kickstarter on, on down that, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that you, some uh, changes have been made, sure. but um, you know, historically um, that's, that's a battle that has to be fought in payment process. I mean, I'm sure you have mm-hmm. had to deal with this as well. If you sell right. stuff on your website, that payment processors, um, you know, credit card companies, uh, you know, I know from working in porn that credit card companies have very strict rules around, mm-hmm. um, what they will and won't process in terms mm-hmm. of content. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, PayPal often will freeze people's accounts just because sure. they have done sex work in the past. Um, yes. 
And um, so, you know, there is there is so much stigma that is limiting the ability of people who do business that has to do with sexuality yes. from reaching their market and reaching their demographics. Mm-hmm. So it sounds mm-hmm. like you're going to change all that for us, right? <laughs> yes, that that's the, you know, that's the goal. That's, uh, that's, that's the goal. I mean, it's not something that like I woke up and said, okay, I won't think I'm going to take this on, but, um, it pisses me off enough awesome. to, to do something about it. That's a good motivator. <laughs> are there other things in the industry that you are trying to address or trying to change or that you want people to know about that they might hmm. not know about or just like bullshit you've encountered? the bullshit I've encountered um you know overwhelmingly so I could say that I've been really embraced awesome you know by um by people because I came into this industry not having had an experience and I know that in other industries like if it, you know I was at an, a banker's event and I said oh you know me and my friend who just started yesterday sh- they would not talk to her you know um mm. and people were uh have been really receptive and been willing to to help me and to to further along the mission so it's been overwhelmingly positive you know i don't want to rag on it that it's been terrible it's been it's actually actually been really great that's great yeah um is there anything specific that has been great about it that you want to share yeah the women that i have met and encountered um has been they've been great you know like to just we can you know have a good time talk about business and we have enough in common that it's not uncomfortable that i'm black (laughs) it's like you know um yeah it's like no one no one makes it a point to be like on and you're black, right? <laughs> um, so I'm, it's, it's yeah, it's like a lot of, I met people where we have a lot of um, commonalities in our background, cool. no matter where we, we've grown up, you know? And we all um, believe in, in empowerment, female, you know, empowerment, empowerment around, around pleasure. And so that, that is a, that's a, that's a driving force to find common ground. Do you think that there are ways that the sex industry can serve women of color and black women specifically better? Sure. Is one, meet them where they are. Yeah. You know, um, there's just a lot of shame still around sex. Um, a lot of education around sex in communities like either in the African-American community or the Latino community. I actually happen to be, um, I identify really as, as Latina because it's how I was raised, mm. even though I'm, you know, racially I'm black. But um, and my mother, you know, God bless her heart, she didn't know anything. <laughs> she when she uh, had a conversation with me about sex, it was she opened up a book because um, she's uh, religious and she opened up a religious book and she showed me a picture of an open fortress and a closed fortress. And she said, you are to be the closed fortress and you are not allowed to boys, for boys to touch you. And that was the extent of my education in sex. Um, and so there are a lot of women that uh, have similar experiences and their, or their mothers have um, stories about, uh, or shameful, sort of shameful past around sex, that there's shame around it, yeah. that they you know pass on to their, their daughters and it's just a cycle really that hasn't been broken yet mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so i still have to say that this this the, the sex toy industry could really do a lot just by um you know providing uh providing information one that that's targeted toward that just understanding more about why um it is the way that it is and there's, I also feel like there's just a lot more. There's a lot, there's a lot of duality. Not actually, I'll take that back. It's not duality. It's more like there's a misconception that, you know, women of color are more like promiscuous or, mm. or whatever, but it's, it's quite the, quite the opposite. You're yeah. sort of shy. 
you know, might be outwardly, even like the images you see in the media, it's like women, women are like, they're outwardly sexual. Like you have Sofia Vergara, who's like outwardly sexual. Um, but that same type of woman might be really conservative about sex. Yeah. Despite the way she, you know, looks or, or dress. What is that stereotype about, do you think? Or where, where does that come from? You know, the... I don't know, novelas, like the hot Latina, the, you know, the, the hot maid or... Yeah. It's the forbidden. It's it's mm-hmm. a, when you... There's something that's forbidden and, you know, you make a story about it. Yeah, totally. You know. Well, that... It, it sucks to find yourself between a rock and a hard place, so to mm-hmm. speak, right? Where you want to be more you know you want to be sexually confident but you also don't want to be put in the box of like being fucking exotic or right yeah um yeah well i that's and actually that's a good point that you make that that bring that is that because that's that's the thing that's that's uh uh put in there when it's when we talk about women of color and, and sex is like the exotic right you know you know it's what is that about what is this it's not, we're not fruit, you know, we're not like, Fuck no. yeah. you know, it's, we're just, we're just women who have, you know, different experiences, but there's not, you know, nothing exotic. And you see it in porn, like porn does it really, really well about just like the terms that they use. And, certain, and it's, and it's, you really, like, if you really want to know like the garbage in somebody's brain, mm. you look at like the, the tags on, on a porn site. I agree. And, you know, um, race in porn is very frustrating because um, uh, porn is super racist. Um, right. Uh, by, right. by and large, <laughs> yes. um, uh, I yeah. definitely know people in the industry who are fighting that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but, uh, you know, a lot of the sex workers and uh, porn performers of color that I have talked to about this issue, um, a lot of the time what I hear from them is a frustration that um, they actually like their job, uh, you know, and this is not always true, but um, uh, often they like their job and they feel um respected on set and they don't feel like people are necessarily in their work environment um uh treating them with a racial insensitivity but then the marketing you know and this comes back to what we're talking about that the people who um uh have no connection to to these people as um you know uh performers uh or as talent um are then uh you know believe that the way to market their image or their performance is in these incredibly reductive uh exotifying othering um uh ways that reduce them to cultural stereotypes racial stereotypes um uh you know that that the um that the wrongness that like saying um the thing that you're not supposed to say that is actually like hurtful and offensive and untrue is the the marketers think that that sensationalism is part of the excitement of looking at porn and perhaps for some people that excitement right. is is real in there but um i think it goes back to the i wonder the, if the data is there i wonder if the data i'd be curious to know like um if the data for the search term shows that this is what people are, are looking up i don't know you know? I mean, I think, but here's, here's my thing. I think that sometimes the, um, it's like a chicken and egg situation Why? where like first. people are like, um, uh, for, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, uh, you know, if somebody, um, like if somebody has a preference for mm-hmm. women who are thicker, right? right? Yeah. That's their preference. I sure. think uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy that some people prefer that, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't think that there's anything objectifying or othering or exotifying about having a nope. preference for women with thicker bodies. Right. So they might want to know that they want to see that in porn. So they know from a like utilitarian perspective that they have to type in big booty. Right. And that might not be the most you know, the big booty is like far from the most um, offensive uh, oh, uh, term in porn, yeah, but right. like, very you know, peachy sounding. 
but like just just to, yeah. to have an example without you know uh getting into like stuff that's too um too dark like uh so they might you know never use that term or they might actually think that term is like maybe you know it's like cute but they want uh that's not like a term that they would use like in their everyday life but in order to they know in order to get the imagery that they want that they have to type that in and of course then you can extrapolate a lot of worse words that people Mm -hmm. feel that they have to type in in order to see the thing that is their preference so i think it's about a reform of who are these people who are making these marketing decisions Mm -hmm. and why do they think that these are the choices that they have to make and it's connected to what you were saying about the advertising imagery on the boxes or in the ads or in the catalogs for sex toys Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. who says that pamela anderson is the platonic ideal of desirability Mm -hmm. across the board forever that's obviously not true some people are attracted to pamela anderson lee whatever her name is now like some women would love to look like her plenty of people are attracted to plenty of other people and want to look like plenty of other people or are happy with the way that they look even if they look nothing like her right so what i mean i i don't know enough about marketing to know how we're going to change things but i know that things need to change you know the consumer at the end of the day makes it makes a decision right you know yeah it's the money and the bottom line yeah the money is is the bottom line and marketers follow the money and you know people um decide to do you know go another way you know if you have um you know companies like you know cindy gallops like uh you know make love not porn you know if, if they follow her if she sees how successful you know she is um and they say you know what all right well we'll do We'll, we'll take that on. You know, yeah. there's another company that, um, called Trenchcoat X, yes. um, that hosts, um, a lot of commercially produced porn. Um, I, mm-hmm. I believe that make love, not porn is mostly amateur. Yes. Um, so, and Trenchcoat X actually ha- has really, I think been fighting this in a very concrete way where their search terms, they, they don't have, uh, racially reductive or gender reductive mm. um, search terms mm-hmm. and um, they really try also to um, make it um, I, I believe they also have a function where you can say you know this is something that I like and this is something that I don't like so, and so then when you're searching you you tend you're going to tend to see more of the stuff that you right. do like and less of right. what you and less of what you don't um, so that's that's an example of somebody who's fighting it. I wish right. more people would right. would do yeah, that yeah. as well. No, yeah, I've, I've I've seen their content, great content, totally. Yeah. Um. So, tell me what else is in the future for House of Plume and also Women of Sex Tech. That is a great question. <laughs> it's so it's one that um for myself right now I am in the process of, of figuring out. Like you just gave me idea of like oh I could do this. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, okay, because, you know, I, I, I didn't come into this to just, like, just do, just make products. And I, I think it's, I, um, I think it's great what I've, what I've done so far, but there's something else um, that I want to do with people. You know, it has to be, because, I mean, when you're just behind the computer and I'm just, like, you know, just looking at data and stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't do this to do like banking stuff like the way I used to do before. And I realized that my next steps would be um, something where I am working more closely with, with people. Cool. So I don't know if that looks like, um, you know, traveling the country and talking to random people about sex or mm. if that looks like, uh, I don't know, coaching. I, I don't think so. But yeah, it's a it's a question cool it's an open question right now um and as far as women of sex tech i mean we're continuing to grow we have members in the uk and china and spain um and that that has actually uh gone really well um respect to how it's grown it's grown pretty pretty organically and um it's awesome too that people reach out to us and go what do you need what you know we hell yeah you know we see what you're doing and you know what what do you need right now um 
so yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, how that could grow um, into more of a, dwell into more of a national conversation, cool. know, a really international conversation, not just like in, in sex. Because a lot of what we deal with, we, we deal with sort of on a, like a times 10 level with respect to in social, in, in business, mm-hmm. know, just in having run a business, you just deal with a, a lot more stuff in this industry, so yeah i'm excited i'm excited to see what what it looks like i don't i don't exactly know if there's one sex myth or misconception that you could correct or that you wish that you could a message that you wish that you could reach out to the most people in the world what would it be wow that's a great question a sex myth uh ooh. Or just like what like pisses you off about something that people get wrong about sex? Ah, uh, that you know what I would really like to change is the language around sex. Tell me more. Um, so for example, a woman will say, "Oh, he made me come." No, <laughs> he didn't actually. Um, he participated. And he happened to be there while you came. Oh man, that is very powerful. I it's I I started to look at I don't know what I was doing one day or looking at where I was like, wow, a lot of language around sex is about men having accomplished something. Oh my god, I love you. <laughs> you know, I I said this at an event in uh, in Jersey City, actually a women's sex tech event, and boy, and, and there were a lot of men in the crowd, and boy, did that go. Uh, down like a lead balloon. Yeah, I believe you. I believe you. Well, that is a, let me tell you, I know you know this, but that is a good sign. It's a a good sign. I know. I love actually irritating people because I know that I'm coming up against something. Yes, you're totally right about that. And um, yeah, it's that. It's like, just because, you know, reality, we create our reality, our reality in language. It's like, that's how we first describe what's happening is language. Absolutely. And if you already have it that a man has to do something in order for you to have something, then no wonder you are aggravated or not or dissatisfied with the way it's going. And it's true for queer people too, you know, even saying, mm. you know, if I say that a woman made me come, um, it, it is interesting to break down the idea that um, it, it makes it seem like uh, I am not participating in it or I right. wasn't there or right. that, uh, you know. You're which, just a, you're some sort of receptacle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as somebody who teaches a lot about dirty talk and how to sort of break down the way that sexuality and language are connected, um, I, I really appreciate that. That is actually one that I had not thought about. It kind of reminds me of how I feel like it's important for me not to talk about losing my virginity. Right. Right. Like I, like I lost something that right, I, that right. I, you know. Right. that I'd like did I leave it in the glove compartment you know what I mean yeah. it's like yeah. I, yeah, no I I didn't it's not like I had something and now I don't yeah, yeah so if you could just say I came versus he made me come or he or the inverse of that and I said this to a guy and he and he calmed down after I said this <laughs> was that the inverse is that you say oh well he didn't make me come you know yeah it, it's a way for not for you not taking responsibility for what's happening with your body and your own pleasure. Yeah. Or just emphasizing like I came or like we came together or, you know, even if you didn't like come at the same time, like, um, it's, it's a, it's participatory, but it's not, um, yeah, you're right. It's a, it's a fallacy to say that, um, somebody did something to you unless that's what you're into you know i know some people who love the idea of like being forced to come but that's a different right. story that's a whole different other thing that's fine yeah yeah that's fine i mean it's just it's just it, like i think of it like i could give i can say oh you made me come as like a sort of a gift to you you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's not it's not the reality oh i i definitely hear that um my last question for you oh is just Will you tell me what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? What does it mean to me? Uh, hmm. 
what it means is living in that I can take an idea from my head and, you know, keep playing with it sort of like Play-Doh <laughs> and it'll come, it'll become something out in the world. I think cool. that's the basis of like all businesses and some sort of idea you come, came up with and you get other people to get excited about it and then it becomes something and then other people are like, yeah, that's cool. I'll buy that. Nice. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Would you have, um, I lied. I have one more question. Um, what is, if there, if, if I have any listeners who are women and or queer people, mm-hmm. um, who have an idea like what you just mm-hmm. described, mm-hmm. um, for something with sexuality, a sex product, a sex media platform like this podcast, uh, a, a book or a blog or, uh, you know, an Instagram or any number of things, um, uh, that they want to get started. Um, what's, what's the first step in realizing that idea and making it reality and reaching people with it? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, uh, the first step is to have come to talk to people. Yeah. Really to talk to people because, you know, sex is, people are have a duality about sex they are they're one way in public and in the private they're doing something else mm. and it's important to just get people's you know opinion not their opinion but really understand walk in their shoes and understand why is it they do what they do and why is it they why they don't do what they you know just like why why empathy in, in empathy right yeah. it's it is empathy because no matter what um you know, no matter, you know, how old you are, what your background is, or how much or little you experience you have in sex, it's still a very intimate and vulnerable thing. True. You know, and um, you, you really just want to be kind with people um, about what they're into. Absolutely. Well, Lydia, it has been so amazing having you on the show. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we talk about before we close up? No, it's it. It's great. Awesome. Okay. So um, if people want to uh, get themselves their very own, what the name of the product is? It's uh, the Moi Box. Moi what is box. it? The Moi Box. So oh, the Moi. Oh, Moi. Yeah. yeah so M-O- for your M-O-I part. Box. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so if somebody wants to get a Moi Box, then they should go to houseofplume.com. Yes. Fantastic. And if people want to follow you on the internet and hear more about all of your projects, where can they find you? At House of Plume, um, wherever, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, also on Twitter. Fantastic. Um, and does Women of Sex Tech have a website? Yes, we are also, we, well, we're on Twitter and on Facebook fantastic thank you so much for coming over and being on the show today yes it was amazing thank you so much for the opportunity my love has some fun every night interrobang is produced and hosted by yours truly tina horn our theme music is by my brother from another mother moot thanks for listening Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.